0: Hello students and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today we're going to be talking about Judd Winnick and Mike McCone's multiverse-hopping epic, Exiles. That's right, we're going back in time once again to talk about an old title that a lot of you probably haven't heard of before. Welcome back to the show. Today is one of those episodes where I'm Pretty positive. I'm going to be introducing a lot of you to something brand new, or reminding a lot of you old fans about something that you've forgotten about. Or maybe there's some uh, some Exiles uh, fans out there that are just being like, "Yes, finally, John's talking about this great." random comic that came out in 2001 and went on uh, for a hundred issues. Um, I remember checking out this comic in 2001 when it premiered, when it, when it debuted and I immediately fell in love with exiles. Um, and if you don't, if you never heard of this before, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, that's normal. I think at this point, um, because this was uh, this was like a hidden gem inside the X-Men and Marvel universe um it had an adamant audience that was reading it but then i know a lot of people just kind of skipped on it because it didn't necessarily star the mm, the the the, the basic normals that you see in all the like this wasn't like you know earth 616 you know wolverine and cyclops and gene gray this was a bunch of random characters um but it's a really good excuse to talk about this mechanic that's been used in comics which is alternate realities i love a good alternate reality story um one of my most prized possessions in my house is a very very old trade paperback of the story marvel versus x-men um it is one of those rare crossover moments from the past when marvel and dc still messed around and did stuff together um on occasion uh it was this huge uh, multiversal event Where uh, the Marvel and DC realities were colliding. And so they had to compete for one to survive and one to be uh, destroyed. Um, I want to do an episode on that at some point. So I think I'm going to leave talking more about that uh, for another time for now. Um, But I, I read that book. Back to front constantly. Um, I also have fond memories of this little mini series that Marvel did for a while called Marvel: The End. Um, it basically was like Iron Man: The End, Wolverine: The End, X Men: The End, and these were just fictitious possibilities for like how these characters' stories could end. It was not canon, um, but it was a fun way because a lot of these stories never end. Iron Man is still being written today. I, you know, Spider Man will always be part of the Marvel universe. But like, what if we could tell the story? of his actual ending and there's so it was an alternate reality kind of a a game that the artists and writers were playing with and I remember loving that but multiverses are not uh, something that people are unfamiliar with anymore and that's been thanks to a lot of things like TV and cinema introducing that concept to people and really normalizing it in just pop culture you know libraries Um, but it's been something that's been a part of comics for decades and decades and decades um and uh, while i don't think um necessarily tv and film have executed on it uh perfectly or smoothly um every single time um it it is a, uh, the comics have played around with it in ways that I've really enjoyed. And this Exiles clearly came from the success of a comic that we've talked about in the early parts of this podcast, which was Age of Apocalypse. People loved Age of Apocalypse. It was this, you know, alternate reality story event that took place in the that happened in the 90s where... Marvel did this crazy, took made this crazy decision at the peak of X-Men popularity and to pull this stunt where they changed the titles of all of their titles, all of their X titles for like six months. Um, and so, you know, Generation X and X-Men and Uncanny X-Men and Wolverine all went away. And instead they released, you know, The Amazing X-Men and Weapon X and Excalibur. And uh, it just, it, it was just wild that they, they took that risk, but it paid out in dividends because people love it still to this day. One of the most recognizable moments from X-Men history and it's particularly like the, the redesign of all the characters really stayed with people. A lot of people just really latched on to how, Fun It was to see an alternate version of these characters um, to see, you know, what if Cyclops was raised, you know, by the villains, you know, what if Sabretooth was on the side of the angels, stuff like that. Um, And a a lot came from the success, success of Age of Apocalypse. And that's where Exiles comes into play. Um, the, the biggest success out of Age of Apocalypse was obviously X-Man, um, Nate Gray, who was the uh, the young, uh, some refer to him as the twink clone of Cable. Um, and he, he was something they weren't expecting to be beloved so much by the audience. He was one of the few... Uh, all new characters that Age of Apocalypse introduced and so they immediately once people were like being ravenous about this new character planned for him to extend his story beyond Age of Apocalypse and it did and he was one of the only characters that extended beyond that well I say one of the only it was actually a a fair amount of them made their way to 616 you had things like um, the Sugar Man and uh, uh, Dark Beast um, and they made their way and same with uh, Apocalypse's kid uh, Holocaust he made his way to six one six as well, um, and, and but uh, X Men was the the breakout success, um, and it also Age of Apocalypse also succeeded in really cementing Apocalypse himself as this really big baddie for forever. I mean, he he had been part of the Rogues Gallery of the X Men for a while at that point, but this really made him out to be the you know uh, earth shattering kind of a uh, antagonist that he could be, um, and uh you know kind of made him a mainstay for the rest of the x-men history um and like i said everyone loved the redesigns and the role reversals and so exiles was an experiment on how can we make this whole multiverse gimmick you know a a thing that like drives a whole title on its own um like i said the multiverse mechanic had been a part of Marvel and comics in general for forever. And and I don't know who first introduced the idea of like alternate realities and multiverses and that kind of thing. But like, I can give you a little bit of a light history on how it's worked in Marvel. I'm not going to bore you with a million details, but I think some of this is kind of interesting because we take a lot of this just like, Oh yeah, alternate universes and earth 616 for granted because it's just like, It is what it is but uh, when you go back to like the really old comics like you can find the stepping stones of this whole structure that the Marvel Universe is built upon like in 1970 in Avengers 85 this is the issue where they visit a parallel Earth and they meet this kind of alternate Avengers team that's almost like the mirror of them called Squadron Supreme and Squadron Supreme has been around since then and used in many iterations um, and is actually one of my favorite like kind of alternate reality teams they had a good run in like the ultimate universe and um they they've had a lot of uh, different people take a a different like turn at them um marvel has this uh adult uh sub title that they've given to a certain comics called Max and uh there's like Squadron Supreme um Max I think it's just called Supreme um but anyways that happened all the way back in 1970 and then like a lot of you know it now from the cartoon but in 1977 it was the comic of what if what if was the alternate reality engine of like what if captain America didn't defeat, you know, uh, Hitler, what if, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, the fantastic four, uh, didn't go through the cosmic rays the same way, stuff like that. And so people loved this because it was just playing with the canon that they already knew and loved and just seeing like, well, what if like, you know, it's the butterfly effect, how can we modify that, um, and have some fun with it. Um, and in fact, the, the, coining of the names the numbers of the realities actually came from a uh a uk comic a uk marvel comic um called daredevils not daredevil daredevils and it starred captain britain who is a big you know key component to this whole concept of the marvel multiverse it was in this comic in 1983 that um that he captain britain discovers that he is one of an infinite number of captains that are part of this multiverse and that he is the Captain Britain of Earth six one six. Now a lot of people have been trying to land on an exact definition of why it's called Earth six one six. It seems like that should be such a very specific, you know, number and and ha- must have a meaning behind it. Um, but uh, there's there's not a, f- a consensus exactly. But the closest I can get to it is that Alan Moore, who was writing Daredevils at the time, he assigned the number six one six to the you know canon, the main. Canon uh, Marvel Universe arbitrarily, um, and it was mostly kind of a, a wink at DC's numbering convention, which was DC like start at one, like Earth One is the Superman and Batman that we all know, and then it it's, it scales up from there: Earth Two, Earth Three, Earth Four. And so Alan Moore just kind of was like, just throw a random number out there: Earth Six One Six, and it's because it shouldn't matter. It's should, like this this reality while being the most important one to us is not the most important one to all like every reality is the most important to every reality and it should just be arbitrary numbers and that's how it's mostly been is that you know marvel has these realities that are like you know two digits three digits four digits five digits six digit you know reality numbers and it's just kind of like assign whatever to whatever um in fact i'm pretty sure the mcu finally uh at one point a few years back said its number um i don't remember at this point in fact the majority of marvel universes it's very hard to keep track of the numbers except for earth 616 um and so that's kind of where multiverses you know come from in the marvel canon and so all of this led to Judd Winnick you know being given the reins to kind of assemble a team for a multiverse hopping uh, X-Men titled Uh, comic Um, and so uh, there it's this is where exiles comes into play exiles is just the story of a bunch of random characters pulled from different alternate realities to create a team to kind of quantum leap um, to make a reference to the old tv show um, around the universe around realities and basically they are tasked with like fixing Problems, um, almost like the uh, the the people from like the low key TV show where they're fixing the timeline. These guys are fixing like the realities and like and and instead of a uh, uh, pruning, you know, deviations um, or alternate alternative characters, um, they were fixing wrongs in the timeline um, or in the realities in order for that reality to take its proper course, um, and so that the everything that's supposed to happen will happen, um, and so. Judd was able to do this And release the comic in August of 2001 And it ran like I said at the top of this episode For 100 issues All the way to December of 2007 And Judd himself wrote the first 25 issues Um, It was then handed over to I think Chuck Austin And then I think near the end It might have for a few issues been handed over to Chris Claremont Um, But you know I think as you jump into this comic You might be like like, Especially looking at the cover Which is just a cast face cover cover you know it's all of them gathered around each other you might just be like who are all these characters should i know who they are should i be familiar with them and you probably are familiar with a lot of them as you read them but i'm going to give you i'm going to as i always do with my episodes i'm going to give you you know the key context on how to understand these characters and maybe understand where they came from um, and first and foremost you have to talk about the the leader the the, the point of view person of this entire story which is blink blink Um, is this character that was actually first, the, the a Blink character was introduced actually in Earth 616 by Scott Lobdell in Uncanny X-Men 317 um, but that version of Blink was actually only around for about a month as far as like publication time goes because they um, you know, kind of a uh, spoiler, sacrificed themselves in the Phalanx Covenant story, which is another uh, sh- uh, story that I want to go over soon so that we can talk about Generation X Phalanx Covenant was the launch of Generation X comic, um, but 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 that version of Blink was introduced and then died and was not a thing for a while but then this version of blink that we know now was the part that was redesigned for age of apocalypse um and then even after age of apocalypse she was actually given her own solo title in like early 2001 and in fact the final issue of that i think it was like four issues um it it alludes to her showing up in this desert that's at the beginning of the exiles comic and so then she was added to the exiles and became a fan favorite people love blink um and i think a lot of it is because of this exiles comic this is where she starred this is where she led this is where she you know was given the spotlight a lot um she's one of the only characters that's that is in like basically every issue of exiles all the way to the issue 100 um and uh you know she was so beloved she even like if you you might even recall she made an appearance in one of the feature films days of future past where there's the the team of them that are trying to defend off the sentinels slash nimrod kind of robots so that you know uh Professor X and Magneto can do their stuff Um, and she's the one that you know she's doing all the teleportation stuff with her little little shards that she uh, creates and then creates portals from Um, and she's a great uh, character to add to this team because not only does she kind of play the role of like the heart of this team and the moral compass of it but she's also like she's transportation she's perfect for like if you're going to be doing this reality hopping kind of team where you know the main character. the way everyone gets around. Um, and so, yeah, so she's from the Age of Apocalypse story specifically. And there, a lot from Exiles pulls from Age of Apocalypse either directly or as uh, um, inspiration. Um, uh, speaking of uh, inspiration, there is a character in Exiles that looks like Morph from Age of Apocalypse, but it is not that Morph. And Morph himself, the character, is such a confusing Uh, Character To know the origins of So I always feel like it's necessary To kind of give everybody a refresher In case you're not aware Because you're like Well I remember there being Morph At the very beginning of the X-Men cartoon And that is another version of Morph And in fact the kind of uh, Thesis of the Morph we know now But it wasn't the very first one The actual first one Earth-616's Morph Was actually a character called Changeling Um, He had the same human name um, As the other Morph But um, his character mutant name wasn't necessarily morph; it was changing it but he was a shapeshifter and he died um actually posing as professor x um and then later in the 90s x-men the animated series also had morph um in it and he was a very specific kind of character and he had he was auburn hair no brunette he was a brunette which is auburn god second guessing my words auburn hair and a very sad character who dies in the beginning of the cartoon but this is earth 1081 morph is what we're looking at in exiles and he's this like actual like success success story of morph a little bit like the cartoon one but he doesn't die by the sentinels like in their first adventure um he joined the x-men and then actually went and joined the avengers with beast similar to how the beast and earth 616 had a has had a run on the avengers and his character has quite the arc in exiles if you read the first few issues you might hate him (laughs) he's very um annoying like f- annoyingly funny like funny annoying uh, and also a bit of like that that typical you know uh 2000s um uh i can't trying to think of way to this that that, that oh w- being a womanizer is funny um you know being inappropriate to women is funny objectifying women is funny and that's kind of what his character is at the beginning but his character develops a lot and evolves a lot and matures a lot. Um, and uh, so I'm saying all that so that if you read the beginning of exiles, you and you're just like, I hate this. <laughs> this is annoying. Um, it gets better. I can promise you. Um, but uh, he's not the only character that was brought in that had uh, uh, ties to age of apocalypse. There's also a Thunderbird character that's brought in Now Thunderbird is an earth 616 character, but this one was one that kind of got an age of apocalypse treatment. He is like, if, you know Angel turns into Archangel because of Apocalypse this is Thunderbird's story of the same thing where he got you know redesigned and manipulated and contorted by Apocalypse into this new machine this avatar of war Um, and he's like obviously added to the team because every team needs a tank every team needs the invincible strong person Um, it's a a mainstay in a lot of these team dynamics Um, it's why you have Colossus it's why you have Juggernaut it's why you have any of those kinds of characters Um, and his story is another reason why i would suggest you read through exiles because um he's a very tragic and sad story but it's meaningful and uh, uh so interesting to read through because he's so much different than the other versions of thunderbird and warpath and this story this story of the proud star um uh brothers um and uh, i don't want to give away too much because again i'm really trying to entice you to read this but he's one that you're going to want to keep an eye on as you read through he's stayed through i think the majority of the of the comic as well um i can't remember i think he took like a break or he got he had an injury at one point um but um he's tragic in the best way possible which is a hard way of trying to sell a character to people but that's the only way i can think of describing it um the other two characters that are worth mentioning at the beginning of this story, um, because I'm not really going to go over Magnus very much, because if you read through Exiles, he doesn't hang around very long. Um, he's kind of the Thunderbird from Giant Size X-Men, where they introduce this character and very shortly after. um Exit stage right, him. Um, but two characters that are still worthwhile mentioning is Mimic, um, who's a, again a really interesting retake on a old character. The old, original Mimic has been around in the X Men comics since like the seventies. Um, he's he, the original is like this guy named Calvin Rankin. He gained his powers through chemical exposure that his father kind of exposed him to. So he's not a mutant, but he mimics mutant powers. He has very different rules to his powers. He can kind of like mimic any power, or even like um, knowledge of stuff from anybody around him sometimes like depending on who's writing him sometimes up to like a mile in radius so he's he's a character that like has a different power set and he's also just a different personality he, he wasn't nice he was very egotistical um he wasn't he's he's never found his love from the community like a lot of the other characters i always loved his design but it's it's hard to make someone who has the powers of everyone else work inside of a team um and so he kind of didn't hasn't been able to kind of like find his footing in earth 616 x-men however this mimic is a very different mimic he is a mimic that comes from a a a success story with the x-men where he's a part of the x-men he's like the leader of the x-men he's the golden child he's also a mutant in this one and so his mutant power is that he mimics other mutants powers but he has like limitations to it he only mimics like half the strength of their powers and he can only mimic like five at a time Um, but once he mimics them he can kind of hold on to them um but he's a great character for if you're going to do this multiverse hopping story where it's like he's a he's a great utility character. He's going to be able to adapt to a lot, lot of different situations, a lot of different realities. And he really does become a real hero in the Exiles and is... When I think about, you know, reading through this way back in the day in the early 2000s, I was like, I remember loving this character a lot. I remember, you know, connecting with him a lot and really uh, enjoying his arc Um and then the other character in there is Nocturne. Now, Nocturne is a new one. While Nocturne wasn't introduced in Exiles, Nocturne is almost like a brand new character, though, for everybody. Um, Nocturne made a brief first appearance in this little short story collection called X-Men Millennial Visions. It was kind of these two issues where they basically gave a bunch of artists and writers who don't normally do X-Men stories, you know, the opportunity to write some short stories that were in the X-Men world. I, I actually remember buying, I think, issue two, Two of X Men Millennial Visions. I think I still have it. Um, and so Nocturne was introduced in a little short story called Professor W's X Men. And so in this reality, Professor uh, uh, Wolverine, um, under the control of Shadow King, killed professor x and then in to make up for it then led the x-men in fact this wolverine i think is even in a wheelchair so that's professor w's wolverine um and so in this reality um uh, nightcrawler and scarlet witch um got together and had a little baby and that's talia um and that's nocturne um uh, her her first name being uh talia talia wagner um and uh you know obviously you can tell from her design that she's based on like she, she's these two fan favorite characters kind of mashed together which is part of the fun of alternate realities it's like well you know we know what happens when Jean gray and cyclops have a baby but what happens if you know uh, cyclops and she hulk have a baby you know different different kind of matchings and different kinds of legacy families that can happen in these alternate realities and so that's what uh Uh, Nocturne is and she's kind of an amalgamation of their two power sets while she doesn't have the alternate reality like hex powers and magic of her mom she does uh, throw what she calls hex bolts but all they are is they're uh, like uh, explosive openings into the alternate reality that uh, her and her dad pass through in order to teleport Um, she also has this like possession power where she can kind of possess somebody for like up to 12 hours and then after possessing them they're kind of in incapacitated for like a day Um, she is actually one of the only characters that lasted beyond the Exiles title and had a brief run in the new Excalibur title um, after Exiles ended Um, and Exiles itself ran for 100 issues um, and had a couple of iterations after it like volume 2 and the new Exiles but they were not loved or good and they didn't stay around very long in fact uh x ex- vo- the exiles volume two only lasted for six issues and got canceled um but i always like to try to suggest things that people can find a little like beginning and end to read and this is like there's 100 issues you can access them all digitally you can find the trade paperbacks and you can read it um and the first six issues are just kind of a nice little introduction to it i'm not going to go into f- like heavy details on those because they're just kind of like a monster of a week kind of thing um, but I- i'll tell you that the book evolves past just that little simple mechanic it just kind of used it at the beginning to introduce you kind of like a lot of the tv shows that you know do this kind of thing you know they use the monster of the week mechanic for a bit and then as the characters develop and as you connect to the characters and as we learn more about them the book is about them and not necessarily about the reality they're in or the monster they're fighting or that kind of thing but they do start you off with some recognizable stories to entice you like obviously the first story you know introducing the whole like Time broker is banding them together to go fix the realities that have been broken. That's the simple, simple um, elevator pitch of why these mutants are working together. But their first place they visit is like a place where they think they need to go find professor X and liberate him in order to like save the mutants who have been oppressed by humans. And it's like, Oh my God, professor X is evil. And so they have to deal with evil professor X and go free someone else. Um, And uh, and it's like this also introduces the first death on the team and death matters. Magnus doesn't come back um, and he's immediately uh, removed from the story and they introduce a alternate reality of Sunfire. Um, And uh, I appreciate that they kind of introduce the story in this way because it shows that like it's not going to be what you think and there are going to be stakes to this this isn't just like you know you're going to hang around with these characters and death won't matter and in fact the second story they introduce, they have to actually like Basically kill Jean Grey because in this reality, the Phoenix didn't put her in a little cocoon at the bottom of the Hudson River. It's actually Jean Grey who's the Phoenix and she's the one who like is going to eat a planet. Again, we haven't gone over the Phoenix saga. So this might be like, what are you talking about, John? But I'm just trying to give a brief summary on like these initial stories that the exiles go through. It's worth reading the entire run. You'd think that rotating, you know, a rotating cast of different characters would mean that, that you know, you're not going to connect these characters, and there's not going to be really any stakes to it. But this, it couldn't be any different from that um, if it tried. Um, and it's, it's a very abnormal Marvel story. And I think they got to do that because it wasn't a flagship title it was its own title it was its own characters and so you know while a lot of characters can't just go and mess around with a lot of uh, creators can't just go around and mess with characters or kill them or bring them back arbitrarily if you're just messing around with alternate realities you can kind of uh you get carte blanche access to do whatever you want um and and because of that all the characters in the story did evolve it's like a great tv show they even had crossover moments that connect themselves to the you know the the canon main part of marvel they had even a run in the house of m series there's an exiles house of m story which is fun they're chasing somebody through like the house of m reality um and the whole thing i just remember feeling like you know The way that a lot of us uh, Who had like X-Men toys Or action figures when we were kids This is getting to play with all of them Where it's like you get to have like Leonardo from the Ninja Turtles fight Batman, and then in comes Goliath from the Gargoyles, and you pull out your Cyclops action figure, and they're all fighting together. And that's what this story is a bit like, because they just get to mess around with all these alternate realities and and a million what ifs. Um, it's a delight um, if you just want something, uh you know, that you don't have to have much buy-in in order to get into it and just check it out. Um, I encourage you to read this. Um, it's very good um, and. Um, uh, I'm excited to have gotten to share this with you. If you've never heard of exiles. Um, and uh, I'm excited. We got to talk about X-Men once again. I apologize for this episode being a little bit late. Um, I will do better next time. Uh, but until then, be good, be kind, be brave. And thank you very much.